You okay? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Just having a minute. I'm a little anxious for this. Okay. I'm okay. Okay. Good. You're better than okay. What are you thinking about right now? I'm just nervous. Nervous that I don't have anything to talk about. I'm Jamie Dew, and this is a show of strength. Hey, it's Jamie, and welcome to the first episode of A Show of Strength. For you keen listeners, you probably noticed something a little different off the top. Well, that's an excerpt from an interview I conducted with my friend, Lee Rainey. I've known Lee for over 30 years, but little did I know that much of that time, she was suffering in silence, battling mental illness. Today, you'll hear that interview where I sat with Lee to listen to her story. I hope that her story inspires and encourages courage. The episode is brought to you by Try Tie Tonight. You'll be hearing from them later on in the episode. How are you doing today, Lee? I'm doing okay. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's a good that's a good I'm, place to be. I've uh, see now I'm nervous. That's okay. I'm doing just just okay. Just okay? Yeah. Uh I have good days and bad days. Um, depending on what's going on in my life makes things more amplified. I cannot imagine. Yeah. When did you become aware that something was up? I guess throughout my teens, um, I kind of always felt a certain way that I was anxious and, you know, I didn't... Sorry. It's okay. Um... It's tough to think back. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find that your memory is impaired at all? Like based on, you know, your experiences? Uh, it has been in, in the past, trying different medications and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> I'm pretty good right now as far as my memory. But I definitely have had those side effects in my past. Um, but at the beginning, I was I was probably about sixteen, but I didn't um, become aware that it was an actual problem. Although I had gone and seen doctors about it, so I guess my parents knew that there was something. But um, tough to discern, though. There's a lot going on with a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Could be hormones. Could be anything. Sure. So it kind of got left on the back burner. Um, until I was 19, and then 
that's when, um, I guess, turn of events happened. Um, nothing in particular, but just my my mood changed, and I was getting um, more flashbacks of different things, and um, just everything really came to a head, and I wasn't able to help myself anymore. I I couldn't. I just couldn't get through the day. Do you have like a firm? Diagnosis that yeah. you're dealing with? Yeah, I have. Um, I've been diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder, uh, clinical depression, and severe panic attacks, um, anxiety disorders. A little bit of um, post traumatic stress, they say as well. Wow. So it's a lot of different things that they're trying to work on. It's not just one particular thing. And I guess that's where it's difficult for me because they're not trying to just treat one, one thing. They're treating a multiple of things, and that's where it comes tricky with medications and um, therapy or whatever uh, they can offer, which isn't a whole lot. So where, where did you go for help? Initially, I went to my family doctor who tried putting me on medication and them not being specialists, they didn't really know. So it was trial and error, Um, but he didn't want to do too much of that. So he sent me to a psychiatrist in Brantford and he has been, he's been great. He, um, you've been with the same psychiatrist since you're 19. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I've been really fortunate, um, and he's great. So he he tried in a lot of medications, and it was. Um, I spent some time in the hospital to figure those things out. Just so they could keep better sort of tabs on on you. Yeah, like, and I was struggling, so it was probably the best place for me at the time. How did you feel about that? I mean, it's a it's a it's a tough thing, right? It becomes. Very real, I think, when you're suddenly yes. Yes, in a bed, does. you know, and you're not really in control. Yes. Yeah, and you have restrictions and everything else. Um, I did need to be there at the time. Right. I, I know that. Did you come out again with any sort of notion that, that you were better? No, I was, um, at that time, I was off work for two years. Luckily, I had a really good job. and So you had been working prior to going I, in the first time? Yeah, I started at uh, the Hydro Company at 18. Oh, wow. So I was there um, for a bit, but then I had to go off, and I, went off, I was off for two years, and then went back to work once I had, <clears throat> excuse me, gotten better. But the truth is you weren't really better. Or were you? I I was. I was I felt really, really good. I kind of felt too good in a sense. Um in what way? Not like, really not not like a manic, but just very on top of the world. Like I could do anything. Was that the drug at the I at think, the time? I think that was medication. Wow. <laughs> Possibly. And then I kind of kind of leveled off, or maybe he cut stuff back. I know right. at the time I was on about ten different things, and 
then it was cut down to like five different things. So, so then all of a sudden, this high that you're on, or this, you know, this good feeling that you're having, you're back at work, your head is up, yeah, you're bright eyed. Now suddenly the shine starts to come out of your eye a little bit. Yeah, it was. It was about. Uh, it was close to seven years that I was. So your twenties were were okay. <clears throat> they were okay. Like I struggled of off and on. Yep. But nothing to the point where I wasn't able to work. There was times where I'd have to take close to a month off or a couple weeks or whatever, but it never really affected me too badly. It sounds like you had an understanding employer. I did, yes. And I had a very good insurance policy, too, which allowed me to take the time off work to recover. So I was very fortunate there as well. which which blows my mind. I don't know what people do that don't have... Short-term or long-term. Yeah. Like, like I don't know how they do it. Or... Well, in many cases, they don't. That's a tough... It's a tough thing. How often do you get access to your psychiatrist? I see him every six weeks. Every six weeks. Yeah. Whereas, ideally, it would be every two weeks, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because then you're on, you're he's been giving you something, and then you have six weeks, and you got to stay on that, you know. And if it it's not, not working, working or it's, making you loopy, or yeah, and then it, the only solution is like when I, when I have called in the past and said, you know what, I don't think this is working. I'm really struggling. The only option is for me to go to the hospital. You were 19, and they admitted you to the ward. Yes. Uh, how how long was your stay there at that at that point? I was there for a month, and then I was out for a little bit, and I was admitted back into hospital. And I was there for a month, a month and a half. Um, just last year, I was admitted as well, and I was there for a few weeks, and waiting for um, Homewood to find me a spot in their program um, for an inpatient program. So I was... Are you still on that list now? No, I've, I've completed the program. I did okay. six weeks at DTX 360 in Montreal. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did six weeks there of treatment. And um, it, was, it was really good but it also opened up a whole can of worms that I wasn't ready to deal with or I guess you're never ready to deal with stuff (laughs) but I just wasn't expecting it to be that dredged up you know stuff to be dredged up as much as it was and then to leave there there was no aftercare program Homewood didn't offer anything and anything locally, I was already on a waiting list for. So it, I don't know about this program in Montreal. So is it? It's just a very intensive talk therapy program, or yeah, it's a lot of um, DBT, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy. I'm not familiar with that. So it's um, meditation and trying to be in the now and not to let your mind wander the way. Yeah, it does. Ours does, right? Yeah. So. They did um, a lot of one-on-one and a lot of group of different things. And 
it was helpful, but the DBT doesn't really work for me. Not yet, anyways. It's a lot of meditation, so I'm not able to get there. I just it's tough, distracted, and just unable to tell your brain, which is by default a thought machine, yeah, to stop doing what it's supposed to do, yeah, is really, really difficult, yeah. So, when did you realize that you were starting to head? back down that spiral, you know, in your, in your twenties, you said, you know, there were times that you needed to sort of step back and recharge and you got that opportunity to take two weeks here or a month there, but suddenly you're approaching 30. You started walking down the hill. Yeah. 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 About two years ago, I guess I, started just to feel down in the dumps and while you were at work or yeah just day to day every day and then I wasn't able to get up for work because I was crying or you were still at hydro at this point I was at hydro yes and I I just wasn't able to get there in one solid piece I was just was a wreck and for no reason really at all just came from nowhere, which it often does. Um, so then I, I had always continued to see my doctor. I've never taken breaks or anything like that. And last year he um, admitted me into Brantford because I wasn't able to cope at home. That was, that was really hard? Well, yeah, it was because I... Um, I didn't want my life to be interrupted, I guess. I wanted just to be home and be with my animals, and um, I couldn't. I couldn't function for myself. I wasn't eating. I was throwing up every day. Uh, just from being anxious and lost, I don't know how much weight, 20 pounds possibly. <clears throat> so then at that time he said, okay, we need to get you in and monitor you for some time. And then all the other stuff started to fall in place, like the uh, program in Montreal. We got into that and then I was able to go home and um, prepare for that. They gave me a week's notice, so I was home for a week before I left for Montreal. So you were in the hospital. They they released you for a week. Yes. And then off to Montreal. Right. So we took a train there, and um, they were so welcoming. Uh, they were all... Fantastic. Where's that program out of? It's through Homewood, which is out of Guelph. They're a partner um, with them. So there was, they had space for 24 people in that hospital. And it was like living in a house. So it wasn't like living in a hospital. It was, it was very nice. So that takes part of the stress off right away. Right. You're not looking at beige walls. and Exactly. Right. Yeah. So uh, 
What's the acronym again? DTX, DTX 360. So DTX, everybody else there was suffering from like uh, like a general anxiety disorder and, and, yeah. and severe depression. Severe depression. Um, and there was a couple there for addictions. But out of the 24 beds they had available, only six patients were there the entire time I was there. So it was very one-on-one. We had Are you a, kidding me? Yeah, it was unbelievable. We had a lot of... For six weeks? For six weeks. Yeah. That's some good attention you got. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. You had it. You, had, you deserved it. You had it coming. Yeah. Just leaving that program, the program was awesome. Um, but like I said, it opened up a can of worms for me. Um, just deeping, getting down into stuff I didn't really want to talk about and deal with. But I know that it has to be done. But it's the aftercare that I was lacking. So once that can of worms had opened, I was left just to... Hold it. Yeah. Now, in the time since that program, when, when did you go there? That was last June. So, okay, so we're like almost nine months out. Right. Have you been working through any of those? You're calling it can of worms. Have you been, have you been working through any of that with your psychiatrist or uh, in group or anything? I... I've only been in one program since I've been out because of the the wait times. Right, and that was a an art an, an art, art therapy, therapy program. Yeah. Right, so you're not going to get down and dirty in that. No. Now with the DBT program that I'm waiting for, um, you're supposed to meet with a, a therapist. So maybe then I can kind of tackle those demons, I guess. What kinds of things do you find yourself doing when you feel good that help keep you feeling good? I try to help my friends or my family as much as I can. That makes me feel good. Um, Even if it's just doing little things like taking my Nana to winners to see what's on the shelves. Uh, That type of stuff is good for me. Uh, When we have uh, my partner's son, having him around is good for me. It makes me kind of step away from myself and focus on somebody else as, I guess, me being a caregiver is, is important to me. But it just gives you that chance just to step away from yourself and focus on somebody else and their needs. And that kind of puts everything else in the back of your mind for a while. Yeah. So stuff like that helps me. That's good that you know this. Yeah. Or looking after my animals. Even though some days I don't feel like going out there. Right. But I do. And then I can feel that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, those are good days. Those are great days. And it's a good day when I can go out and do a little bit of shopping with my mom or a friend and not have any anxious feelings that I know that I'm I'm having a good day. Like I I wasn't worried about it, so you know, I just kept trekking on. If you had the opportunity 
to talk to probably the 19-year-old version of yourself, what would you say? You've been through a lot now. You know a lot more about yourself. I, I don't know what I would say, just... I, I don't I don't know because knowing what I know now it's not gonna be easy for that nineteen year old for possibly the rest of her life. Well you know I'm far from a therapist. You're a wonderful individual. You're a complicated individual. You're somebody that needs help getting on the right path and getting on the right track. But I just don't want you to carry that burden that that you're broken. Does that make sense? Yes. It's hard to feel that way when um, you know it can crumble underneath you at any time. Hell yeah. So even when I'm feeling good, I always have this in the back of my mind. How long is it going to last? When's the shoe drop? Yeah. Absolutely. What are you thinking about right now? I was just thinking how we could turn this around into my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, goal, goal being that I'm learning through talking to other people. You know, I certainly, I'm not where I want to be. I haven't got it figured out. Mm-hmm. Ready for the party on Saturday? I really don't want to cook for our entire group of friends again. Why don't we order in? Oh, great idea. I could really go for some pizza. How about Thai food? Let's bring a taste of Thailand right to us with Try Thai tonight. Um, Okay. Try Thai Tonight offers an exotic four-course Thai dinner prepared right in her own kitchen by Chef Jean from Thailand. You mean an authentic Thai chef? Chef Jean cooks up some of the most authentic and delicious Thai food available in southern Ontario. She even offers cooking demonstrations for those eager to release their inner chef. How do you know all of this? Chef Jean is all over Facebook. We can book right now by visiting her website at trythaitonight.com and bring the taste of Thailand right into our kitchen. So that's a no for pizza. Experience the exotic and delectable flavors of Thai cuisine with Try Thai Tonight. With in-home dining, cooking demonstrations, and catering options available, visit TryThaiTonight.com to book your next mouth-watering meal. Hey, welcome back. We're going to jump right back into the interview I conducted with my friend Lee Rainey. We'll pick it up where she describes some of the things that she's doing day by day to deal with her mental illness. I just did an art therapy program. It was kind of art and DBT together. And that was really helpful for me, uh, doing the art therapy side of it and just working with other people that were kind of in the same spot as I was and we could, you know, talk. 
and not feel judged. The meditation part of that program, I just, I don't, I don't know what's, you get frustrated with yourself. You're yeah. like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why can't you do this? But for some reason, I'm just not there yet or, or whatever. I have done a CBT program years ago through St. Joe's. And that one actually did help me more so than the DBT, for sure. Um, I was unable to have showers. I could only have baths. I didn't eat meat that I cooked. Like, just weird, obsessive-compulsive things, possibly. I don't know what you would call them, but just weird quirks that I needed to break. At that time, did you know that that was part of... Your illness? Yes. Or, okay. I, well, they they made me aware. Okay, gotcha. Um, but that CBT program really did help me. I I can eat my own cooking now. <laughs> I right. can shower alone. I it's those things I've overcome. So I think the CBT program for me was more beneficial. I currently I've been on a waiting list since last January for a Canadian mental health program in my area. But it's been a year. That's the CMHA? Yes, CMHA. Yeah. So they have outfits in, 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 they have, in the vicinity? Yep, they have one outfit here. And the program is six months long. They do six patients, I think, every six months. So that's why the waiting list is so long. And they cover Haldeman Norfolk, uh, sorry, just Haldeman Norfolk, which is a pretty big area. Pretty big area. Yeah. To do six people every six months. Yes. 12 people a year. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still on the waiting list and do that's you know, been do you know over where, a year. Do you know where you are? Do they provide that information? No, no, they don't. No. So I'm waiting for that call, which I'm assuming it'll be shortly. What makes a good day at this point for you? What's a good day? Just being able to get out and go see my parents or, you know. You've got a wonderful property here, too. So, like, do you... Thank you. I do uh, take care of my horse and my chickens, and I do a lot around here. Uh, On my good days, it all gets done. Right. (laughs) Um. And I guess that's where I determine good days from bad days. When I feel like, when I wake up in the morning and I feel like, okay, I need to get out of the house, I need to do something. And even though I might only go to my parents' house or, you know, to a friend's to visit, it's, I know that that's a better day for me because I'm anxious to get out. I need to be somewhere else. Do you find yourself using, like, checklists or anything like that to... To make a day? No. No? No. That would be something that would give you more anxiety, perhaps? Uh, no, it'd probably be beneficial for me. It's just doing it, Yeah. I guess. I find myself using my calendar, like, a lot, like, on my phone. Yeah. Like, I, you know, and I schedule the strangest things. Like, it'll be like, I'm going to walk down the street and get a coffee. Yeah. You know? And if I do that, then I get to sort of put the tick mark beside it, and it makes me feel... Like I've accomplished something. something. Yeah. But then the voice or whatever you want to call it kicks in and it's like, dude, 
you went down the street and got coffee, you know? Yeah. Or you went to the bank or, you know what I mean? Like I get what you're saying when you say going to your parents or, you know, meeting a friend for coffee or something like that. It feels like an accomplishment just to get out of the fucking house. Right. Yeah. And those, you know, those are sometimes wins. Yeah. Those are sometimes really big deals. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's wild. Yeah. uh, What a big deal it can be sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm not able to go to the grocery store or to do like the day to day type shopping. So that makes things difficult for me. I have to be with somebody to be able to accomplish those things. Those aren't things that I can do by myself. Is it is it like a people thing being around? Yeah, and it's just that many the, people. The fear of the people and the fear of having a total panic attack in the grocery store. And I mean, I had one in the airport two weeks ago when we came back from Florida and, uh, I just passed out. Like I just am overwhelmed and I'm just going down next thing I know, you know? And it's, I guess that's always in the back of my head that I'm going to have that and I'm going to be by myself and all that's very terrifying, which builds it up more in my head than it probably needs to be. But well, how do you stop that? That's the that's, that's the, the that's kicker. the struggle here. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we tend to overthink things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can I can believe that. What what did you do uh, at the? Well, I was I was with my family, so luckily I was with a lot of people who cared about me, and right. I was I was okay. But just it's all about you know not only does that happen, but it's the embarrassment that comes with it and everything else. You know, what are people thinking? Do they think I'm drunk? Or do right. they think like, okay, this girl has a, you know, is not okay. It just, all those things go through my mind and make things bigger. Do you have a lot of support? I do. Yes. I, my family's fantastic. My partner's fantastic. And my friends, they're all very good and very understanding. I imagine at the time this all shook down, it was probably very concerning for your for your friends and, and your family as well. What yeah. did what did that look like as a as a nineteen year old? My parents were really worried. Uh, they did a lot of reading to see what they were dealing with, and that was kind of that was a. It was really good of them to get right on top of things and know what was happening and find everything out that they could. Uh, We worked a lot with the doctors and stuff too, just to see what they could do on their part. Uh, As far as my friends, I, at the time, kind of secluded myself. Um, My friends are involved with me now, but at the time I... I secluded myself and just kept only a couple people close to me. Why? Why do you think you did that? Was that was that like to protect yourself? I was embarrassed. Or? I didn't want people to think that I was crazy. I didn't want them to see me crying all the time. I really admire you for for stepping up <clears throat> to talk. You know, because. This shit isn't easy. It's 
with everything else that we're dealing with to have to worry about perception as well. I mean, we may as well be climbing Mount Everest, you know, <laughs> like for the amount of work mentally that we're doing. Yes. So I want you to know, you know, how much I admire you. Thank you. For, for sitting down and, you know, sharing some stuff. Thank you. A show of strength is a movement where I try to encourage courage. You can find out more by visiting www.ashowofstrength.com. You can subscribe, rate, and review A Show of Strength at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Tweet me at A Show of Strength or send me an email at A Show of Strength at iCloud.com. I have like this permanent yawn thing that won't go away. Really? Yeah, this is when I get nervous and uh, anxious about things. It's like I can't fill my lungs. Like I don't know what it is. Like so. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I just keep trying to catch your breath. Yeah, kinda. yeah. It's very. I don't know, like. What the hell is that about? Yeah. All these things. <laughs> I know. Right. It's so stupid. It's like you said earlier, I think you call them quirks, and, and there are. There's so many. I feel like a, like a plate spinner, you know, one of those people that spin all the different <laughs> plates and then they're running back and forth like a maniac across the stage.